For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I love that statement. Overcomes the world. Okay, and that's not just talking about, you know, a physical wrestling match by any means, but it's talking about victory because the culture is trying to culturize us. And at times we've allowed that to happen to our detriment. But whoever is born of God overcomes that culture, overcomes the world and those tendencies. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. For who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, Father, thank you for truth. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let me share some steps whereby you can become an overcomer and walk in victory and not get culturalized. How do we walk in victory? Well, sincere Christians have fallen prey time and time again to the seductions of Satan. We've seen it often. And uh, it's not just the going out and committing some overt sin, but just allowing the culture to dictate principle when the Word of God gives us all the principle we need. Amen? We've all had struggles and difficulties trying to stand in the middle of those temptations and tests. More and more, though, people seem to be losing control of their ability to discern what's right and what's not any longer, even God's people. And the result, they have little or no joy. There's certainly no peace. And very importantly, they're being robbed of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their life because they're, they're drifting into the culture instead of walking in the Spirit. So we need deliverance from the spirit of fear and healing from resentments and anger. Uh, Sometime back I heard a minister make this statement, you're only as sick as the secrets you keep. The moment you reach into the darkness and stop hiding your issues, once you pull them out into the light and expose them to the truth of God's word, God's truth, healing can begin. So what are the steps that we have to take in order to walk in victory as overcomers? Well, here's the strategy all of us can utilize so we can walk in holiness, righteousness, and peace before the Lord. And step number one is discernment. Number two, we decide. Step number three, we declare. Those are important steps to learn to walk in victory, and they're sequential. So what do we need to discern? Well, through practice practicing the Word of God, implementing it, not just going with the flow of the culture, but this is what God's Word said, this is what I'm going to do, going swimming upstream, so to speak. We acquire 2020 vision in the Spirit. But solid food, the writer said, solid food, belongs to those who are of full age. They're spiritually mature. That is, Those who by reason of use, they've taken God's word and they've used it and used it and used it and practiced it and gone ahead and implemented it and stood upon it, even when it was illogical to the rest of the culture, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They're able to divide clearly what's right and what's wrong. So step number one, you must discern where the real battleground is. Hear it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places all around us. 
are demonic forces looking to pull us, seduce us, lie to us, and steal, kill, and destroy. Now, you may have the greatest weapons in the world, but if you do not know how to acquire the target, those weapons won't do you one bit of good. When we're dealing with relationships and people, we need discernment and 2020 vision in the spirit. Because when you bring a person into your life, you don't just bring the person, you bring the spirit that person has with them. And if it's negative, you acquire it. If it's critical, you'll acquire it. If it's anger and bitterness, they won't just bring their physical presence, they're going to bring that spirit with them. If it's a seducing spirit upon them, they're going to bring that with them. So we need discernment. So we learn not to wrestle with flesh and blood and arguing with people, but we bind the spirit of contention and the spirit of anger and the lying spirit and the seducing spirit and the spirit of fear and of depression that want to overwhelm us. So there's a normal fear and there's a healthy fear. The fear of a poisonous snake is a healthy fear. Don't complain with poisonous snakes. Then there is unhealthy fear, levels of fear that bring anxiety, and fear begins to control your thinking and your life. And the emotion of fear will paralyze you. You're tormented by it. Something will happen to my children. I'm afraid if I do that, then I'm going to find a very bad result and bad stuff will happen. Or I'm going to get cancer because my, my, my dad or my mother had that. That means I'm going to have that. some fear, and it torments. It's a tormenting spirit. It's not normal. There is a spirit behind that kind of fear. You have to have 20-20 discernment to detect it and call it out. Do you see the fruit of the problem, or do you see the root of the problem? What do you see? The fruit of the problem or the root of the problem? The scripture says, Jesus saying, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Because that's where you have to start, at the root. If all you do is deal with the fruit, the fruit will grow again. The fruit will come back again and again. In fact, sometimes the more you prune it, the more fruit is produced and it comes back. You, you, you get to fix it, but it returns. You temporarily stop it, but it comes back. But when you lay the axe to the root of the problem, then things start changing. Discern where the real battle is, where the root of it, the cause of it. For instance, every time the king of Syria would plot a surprise attack against Israel, God would tell his prophet, and the prophet would notify the king of Israel and say, don't go to such and such a place today because there's an ambush waiting. So the king of Syria couldn't figure out how come we're never successful? We, every time we go to get the king of Israel and take him out, we, we get there and he's not there. Why, why is this happening to us? We can't surprise attack him. And finally, somebody told the king of Syria. It's the prophet Elisha. Elisha, the prophet who was in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. God hears them. He tells them to the prophet. And you are always going to be thrown off because... God is using him to warn the king of Israel. He hears what you say in your secret chambers. He tells the king of Israel, and we can't ambush them. So he said, well, send my mighty army and surround the servant's place and kill the prophet. So the army of Syria comes to surround the prophet of Elisha. 
And his servant, Elisha's servant, walks out one day early in the morning, and he sees this massive Syrian army surrounding them in their, in their home. And there's nowhere to run, and there's nowhere to hide. And let me ask you, do you feel surrounded today? Are you overwhelmed? Do you feel like there's no way out? Do you feel hopeless? This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. You are only looking at this in the natural Then the servant ran into the prophet, all panicked. He said, what are we going to do? And then the prophet looked at him and prayed a strange prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Give him 20-20 vision in the spirit. Let him see what I see. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. (laughs) I could preach right there. I don't want to. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The circumstances had not changed. The Syrian army was still there ready to kill. But then he saw the chariots of fire descending. The prophet's servant saw the chariots of fire descending with angels driving them. And the enemy thought they had surrounded God's prophet when the enemy itself was surrounded and outnumbered. So watch. Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, strike the people, I pray, with blindness. And God struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So the entire army goes blind instantly. And then Elisha rounds them all up because they can't do anything, they can't see anything. And he drags them before the king of Israel who wanted to put all of them to death. We're going to We're going to annihilate this army. And I said, no, 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 king, spare them. And there's the result. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more in the land of Israel. Amen? What Elisha told his prophet, or rather, Elisha told his servant, applies to us. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. They're the ones who are outnumbered, not us. So no matter what you're surrounded by, or how overwhelmed you feel, like there's no way out, hear this. What is for you is greater than what is against you. So what's going for me, Lord? Lord, what is it you have on my side? Look at the right thing. Get the perspective of God. Ask God, open my eyes. Not to just the obvious problem that's hemming me in, but but what do you have going for you? What is it in your life? See what you've not seen before. See beyond the problems and see God's provision. See beyond your enemy. See God's angelic hosts. What are you seeing? And when you feel overwhelmed, remember, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Amen. You have going for you what I've just shared with you. God's provision, angelic hosts, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, our inadequacies. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth. He walks us right down the path we need to be on. He produces in us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And what you lack, the Holy Spirit produces in fruit. And if you need a miracle, the Holy Spirit produces the gift If you need a word, the Holy Spirit produces that word. He initiates the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is who you need alongside of you in your life. What do you need to see? See the word of God. 
Watch it. The word of God is the power of God. We are cleansed by the word. The word produces joy. The word heals us. These things we write to you, John said. In other words, I'm communicating God's word to you. What? That your joy may be full. When that word gets in you, your joy will begin to bubble up. He sent his word and healed them. So the word gives cleansing, joy, healing. Cleansing, joy, and healing are all working for us. And if you'll work the word, the word will work you. So you have the Holy Spirit on your side. You have the word of God on your side. You have the angels of heaven, of God, fighting for you. Like like with Elisha, the angels of God surround your adversaries. You, his angels who excel in strength, who do his word. Angels obey God's word. Whether God speaks his word or you speak God's word in Jesus' name, angels stand at attention. Speak the word over your circumstances. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So if all you do is look at the natural, you'll humanly, emotionally become discouraged. On the authority of God's word, there are unseen forces not only working to hurt you in here, but they are outside of this building ready to do you in all around you. The battles that rage in your life, remember, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is alongside of you. The Word of God supports you, cleanses you, gives you joy. Listen, restores health to you. Angels are fighting for you and for your family. Angels are watching out for your children who are away at college in a classroom where a professor is trying to take them down the wrong path. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's for us. They're sent for our benefit. So you can authorize angelic action on your behalf by speaking the word of God in the name of Jesus. So discern also that you have the blood of Jesus working for you right now. The blood of Jesus cleanses and protects. Job placed the blood of animals, of 10 of them, 10 animals every single day on an altar. He declared on behalf of his children, just in case any of his 10 children sinned, he offered a sacrifice of blood on the altar every single day, 10 of them a day, one for each child. And Satan admitted to God, I can't touch, can't touch him. I can't touch his kids. I can't touch his wealth. I can't touch his health. You have a hedge around him. I can't get to him. What hedge? It's a blood hedge. And when Satan attacked Job by permission of God, he didn't take his health first. He didn't take his children or his wealth first. What did Satan attack first? He took his animals. He took away the oxen. He took away the sheep. And there's significance there. Job had no blood to put down on an altar any longer, any single day. And when the blood is not applied, the hedge comes down. And when the hedge comes down, then the enemy can attack family, attack health, attack wealth. But there is the protection of the blood hedge. I believe we have a hedge of the blood of Jesus around us. It's not the blood of a goat. It's not the blood of an oxen. We have the blood protection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of God fights for you. 
They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So discern the power also in the name of Jesus. When we speak his name, demons take a step back. When we speak his name, demons start to get a little bit upset and tremble because there's power in Jesus' name. At his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus, the Christ, is Lord. Muslims will bow and confess that he, the Christ, is Lord. An atheist will bow his proud knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The power of Jesus' name is fighting for you against your adversaries today. Discern the power of prayer. Prayer has no geographical limitations. Through prayer, you can go anywhere you want to on this planet. Through prayer, I can enter into a hospital room. Through prayer, I can walk into an operating room. Through prayer, I can go to a prison. Through prayer, into a bedroom where your child is giving himself to sexual impurity. Through prayer, into an environment where your child is experimenting with drugs. You can pray right here, and grace will go find them where they are, touch them, sting them, convince them. Listen, we don't pray enough in the body of Christ. Because Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand to flight. There's power in prayer and power when we agree in prayer. And that's why marriage is to be a union of prayer. When you pray together, power is multiplied. The husband is seven times stronger when you stand in prayer with him. Your wife is seven times stronger when you stand in prayer with her because there is covenant power in agreement and agreement always causes Satan to tremble with fear. So what are you focused on? Your weaknesses or his strength? Your empty barrel or his unlimited resources? The doctor's report or the promise of the great physician, I am the God who heals you. Cancer does not scare God. Heart problems do not frighten my father. He's Lord of all. So focus on the change element. God can change everything. Everything. And your greatest battle will happen in your mind. This is where it's all fought and won. This is a minefield. And some people say once in a while, Christians are brainwashed. Amen to that. Because every time I come to church, I get my brain washed. The negative stuff gets swept out. The bitterness is dislodged. The anger is swept away. Being in God's presence drives out fear and hopelessness. Faith is restored. Faith is built back into my life. Joy returns in my heart. Yes, we are brainwashed. Welcome to church. Our minds are renewed. We get back up, ready to go out into the battle because those who are for us are more than those that are against us. So guard your mind. What are you allowing in your head? Your thoughts will poison or produce. Your thoughts will paralyze or empower. So I pray David's prayer. Let the words of my mouth, careful, 
And the meditation, what I dwell on, think about, constantly get rolling around in my brain, that my heart be acceptable in your sight. Does this meet muster with you, Lord? O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 2 Corinthians 10 gives you three stages that will lead you to defeat and bondage. Paul spells them out in sequence. And it's always the same pattern. If you go back after someone's defeat, you'll find this is how it started. Thoughts, that's where it begins. Vain imaginations, that's number two. And strongholds, the third step before a failure. Thoughts, vain imaginations, and strongholds. Take your thoughts captive by God's word. Force your thoughts to submit to what God says. It's not what you're thinking that matters. It's what God says that matters. And your thoughts have to be submitted to the word of the Lord. The enemy's strategy for defeat and bondage always begins with a thought. And it's usually one that is slightly away from what God's will is. Some are being held captive by a thought. You're not good enough. You're not attractive enough. You have failed and God can't use you. One thought. You've committed the unpardonable sin. God doesn't love you because of what you've done. If you don't take that thought captive and run it through God's word, that thought will become a vain imagination. A vain imagination. Vain imagination is where we get the concept of our own self-image. You begin to think it. A thought becomes a vain imagination. And if you don't capture that thought, running it under the washing of the word of God, it becomes a self-image. You see yourself as an addict because your father was an addict. Or he could not stay married. Therefore, he, I'm going to end up with multiple marriages. Or he or she was an adulterer. Therefore, I'm going to have to live my life that way. They were an alcoholic. So you accept the legacy, and it starts with a thought. My parents had nothing, so I'm never going to have anything. The thought holds you bound into a self-image a vain imagination, and then it devolves into a stronghold, an area strongly held by the adversary. And you can't break yourself free from it without the help of spiritual mentors and pastors and men and women of God by the laying on of hands. Break the power of that stronghold. Listen, that's been holding you by the work of the enemy, depression, fear, torment. But a man or a woman of God has authority over the enemy, pulls down that stronghold, a place strongly held by your adversary. So you align your thoughts with the word of God. Judge your thoughts by the word of God. And when the enemy whispers, there's no hope, there's no future, you're inferior, who do you think you are? A lie is as good as a truth if you believe it. That's why politicians make millions of dollars because a lie is as good as the truth if you believe it. He's telling you a lie. And if you believe it, it becomes your self-image. The enemy will lie to you. It becomes your self-image, a vain imagination. Then after a period of time, it becomes a stronghold and you'll be paralyzed by it. Saints, take control. Take control of where you're looking. Look here. This is going to deliver you. Amen? You came to hear this truth today by divine appointment. 
Well, it'll never change for me, Pastor. It's never going to get better, Pastor. Yes, it will. Through the power of God's word. Discern. For those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And step number two, you have to decide. You discern, then you decide. Enough is enough. Decision has to be made. Something has to give in my life. Okay? Nothing happens until you decide. Until our pain level exceeds our comfort level, then we leave things alone. Most of us don't act until it gets uncomfortable. Until our pain level exceeds our comfort level, we leave things alone. And the reason the pain keeps returning in your life, God is saying to you, this pain is not your enemy. Pain is your servant. Pain is telling you there's a problem and you need to get it fixed. And you need to get repaired. You need to drag it out into the open and deal with it. You have to decide enough is enough. I'm going to surrender this into the Lord. No more pretense. No more hiding. I'm going to be transparent and real. I'm breaking before God because you're sick of phony growing through the motions. But now you've decided no more. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender. This pain has exceeded my comfortability. Decide that something has to change. It wasn't until the prodigal came to himself. He exhausted out of his litany of people around him, his last friend. He was gone. And now he was eating husks left over from the pig trough. When it finally hit him smack square between the eyes and the bubble of his life busted, he decided, I'm done with this. I'm going to my father for some help. I will humble myself. I was stupid. And I left saying, give me. I returned saying, forgive me. Let my pride die in this process. I need a new direction. I don't care if you just make me a hired servant. I'm just glad to hang out with you again. Passivity is a spirit and it will kill you. It will kill your relationships and kill your marriage kill your employment. If you sit back and do nothing, it will kill you. You need to decide. You discern a spiritual battle going on for your family and for your children. You've got to get up and decide to change it. One thing I have desired of the Lord, the passion grew in the heart of David that I will seek. I'm getting hold of this. I'm not letting go of this. This can be another service that you just sit through and go right back out the way you came in. Or we can be broken before God and say, Lord, here's my mess. (laughs) Help me. And he'll come running the minute you pray that prayer. It comes running. God responds to brokenness. I tremble in my spirit speaking this today. Satan will always attack on the brink of multiplication. And I tremble because there are people who are going to get passive about God's word and are going to miss a golden opportunity in life. Satan will always attack on the brink of multiplication. When the enemy comes in, and like a flood, the scripture says, it's always on the cusp of multiplication when something major is about to break loose. See, Adam was not bothered while he was alone. Satan never came, tempted him, tested him, never happened. No threat of multiplication because Adam was alone. As soon as he had God's will the partner for life, the female, male now has the female. As soon as he had partnership, 
and God commanded multiplication, Satan appears and he starts the attack. He attacks as you are about to see multiplication. That's why you can't quit. That's why you never give up. That's why, listen, this is spiritual warfare. I have decided I will not ignore it. I will not be passive. I have discerned it. I will decide to get up and do something, and I will not let go until he blesses me. I get an answer. So you're on the brink of multiplication. You don't quit now. Everything you've been fighting for, there's blessing on the other side of this battle. Hold on. You will reap, the scripture says, if you don't quit. Tell your neighbor, don't quit now. Step number three, declare. You've discerned, you've decided, now you declare the word of God over your circumstance. Declare it. Discern the real battlefield, decide something needs to change in me, and then declare the word of God over it. Well, pastor, you know, I'm just not into that kind of stuff, pastor. I come from, you know, just a different group of people and their, their, their spiritual experiences. We just don't do that. Then you'll be beaten up and defeated. Mm-hmm. When you declare the word of God over your situation, when you declare what, what you declare might be contradicted by what you're seeing. What you declare might be contradicted by what you're seeing. Are you going to say what others surmise and say or say what your faith declares? Hmm? Are you going to say what God says or are you going to say what they say? Now, remember, faith and reason are not opposed, but when reason can't take another step, faith keeps on walking, keeps going. Reason takes the hand of a man and goes as far as humanly possible. Faith takes the hand of the infinite God, and he takes you into miracle territory where the impossible becomes possible. Declare God's word over your circumstance. And for circumstances to change, you have to change the environment. What are you listening to? What are you allowing to go into your head in those little earbuds? What are you watching? What are you allowing to go before your eye gates? You need to revive that song from childhood kids' church. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above looking down in love, but be careful. Little eyes, what you see. Watching the negative stuff that you participate in and others participate in, the murmuring under your breath about your circumstances. Listen to me. First, you change your environment. Then you change the company you keep. Because iron sharpens iron. You get with people who challenge you to improve. Good coaches will put you, when you're learning a sport, on on a one-on-one with somebody who plays better than you. It will force you to have to improve your skill set in order to compete. So iron sharpens iron. If you're broke all the time and all you do is hang around with everybody else who's broke, you can't, listen, you can't hang around with people at the same level in life and hope to go higher because you won't. You only change by the places you go and the people you get with. Find somebody who knows how to create wealth and take them to lunch 
on your dime and say, teach me. Get a mentor. If all your friends have the same information level, you're never going to change. If your marriage is a mess and the friends you choose to hang out with have been married multiple times, guess what? The first time you complain about something in your marriage, they're going, I just leave him because that's their way of life. Get around covenant-keeping couples, those who've weathered every storm and take them to dinner and learn something you don't know. Then you change what you say. What are you speaking? Death or life? A minister said this some years back, a thought unspoken is a thought unborn. A thought unspoken is a thought unborn. Whatever you're speaking, you're giving birth to. Do you speak life over your children? Do you speak life to your spouse? Do you speak life over your business? A thought unspoken is a thought unborn. You have to declare the word of God over your addictions, over your fears, over your bondage, over your health, over your children. And when you speak it, it's born. When you keep speaking it, it grows up and bears fruit. Speak what God wants you to speak. Be conscious of your words. Stop yourself in mid-sentence. And don't say what you want to say. Say what God says. Say what God says. Now, I want you to read these passages aloud with me, please, boldly. Everybody reading together. We'll start with Ephesians 3 and 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Ponder that for a moment. The God that I serve does exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask him or even think or imagine. But there's a caveat, according to the power that works. What power is working in us? Is it his word? Is it his spirit? Or is it our old nature and our own thinking? And whatever the culture tells us is okay. Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Look at this next one, 31.8. He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. How can you still sit there after reading that and not jump up and say, thank God for his greatness in my life. Come on, get up off your seat and give glory to the name of the Lord.